Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father, through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today is a little story in the life of Jesus in which we encounter Mary and Joseph taking care of their duties as parents and a man and woman that they meet at the temple. And we really just get this small glimpse here into the early days of Jesus, learning a little bit about Joseph and Mary, learning a little bit about waiting and receiving, and a little bit about permanence. And I hope Hope that you see through your time in worship today, through our time in the text, that being a part of this church community here at St. John's and being a part of family, that the truths that we have sung about, the truths that we heard Brent read about, the truths we confess and the sharing of our hearts in prayer and spirit is essential, whether we are closing out the year, starting a new year, or we're just in the everyday grind because in the center of our lives just like we'll see in this text is Jesus. Jesus is not just a part of our lives but from him and the faith and love of Jesus our lives and our days flow and that's not a subtle difference that is the difference. Each one of us has not been called to have Jesus be a part of our lives that we work in a little bit each day or that we put on a list Our life changes when the center of our lives, the who we are, the first thing we think about, the first one we give thanks to, the last one we pray to when we close our eyes, from where the fiber of our being is, words, thoughts, actions, all of that, when that is Jesus and this faith and this love that we have in him, we move from having a goal with the outcome of following Jesus to an identity of being a person who follows Jesus. Moving from a mindset of thinking, I want to be a slightly better person as I head into this new year. I want to run more. I want to eat better. I want to pray more. I want to learn a new habit. To an entirely right and new way of being that Scripture reveals to us. Where the goal is not an outcome, but the goal is your person, your identity. And that changes when you see yourself and what you believe of yourself is rooted in and connected to Jesus, where the goal is connection to him, right? The branch can do nothing apart from the vine. We're not just reading the Bible. We are a people who read the Bible. We don't just pray. We are a people who are continually praying. We don't just love others. We are a people who are loved by God and so love others. It's a small little way of being and doing. And when we do that over time and we don't give up, that's the key. And that's what I love about coming to worship when I said I was super excited to be worshiping today because from the beginning of, we start in Jesus' name. And there's different ways throughout the service where we do little things like speaking or singing or praying or confessing. And we close with being sent out in his name with his blessing. It's the small ways of being and doing that we see modeled for us in a service and the small ways of being and doing that then continue and pour forth from our lives. When we look at our text today, we're going to see a young couple who does the small things that are required and does them faithfully. We're going to see a man who for years and years was promised something and didn't give up. We're going to see a woman who is described as very old, had been widowed for a long time, but did not let what happened define her, but rather 
All of these and us are people who follow the Lord. So if you're ready, let's dive in and take a look. Again, we really only get two stories of Jesus before his ministry begins after his birth. It's this and then the following one of them is the temple and the young boy. But there is much to see here and to treasure and ponder in our hearts. So it's in your bulletin. The text will also be on the screen for us to be guided along. If you got your Bibles with you, you can open those up to Luke chapter 2. I'm going to start at verse 21. On the eighth day when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. And then as you see, when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph, and Mary, took him to Jerusalem and presented him to the Lord as it was written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of doves or two young peasant, pigeons. See, Mary and Joseph are faithful observers of the law and therefore Jesus is circumcised eight days after birth and he's given that name that the angel told Mary and Joseph to name him. And then we see them go to this temple for this twofold purpose. The first here is so that the mother Mary would no longer be ceremonially unclean. In Leviticus, the passage regarding circumcision specifies that there are 33 more days of waiting for the mother till her purification is fulfilled. During that time, she would be considered ritually unclean and could not enter the temple. But when the 40 days were completed, she is to go up to fulfill, fulfill the purification rites, which when found in Leviticus 12, we see that the mother is to offer a lamb. But if she can't afford a lamb, then it's the pair of doves or pigeons. They're offered one for a burnt offering and one for a sin offering. The second purpose of the presentation here that we're seeing was the consecration of the redemption or redemption of the firstborn male to the Lord. We find that in Exodus 13, which speaks of any male animal or human being that opened the womb of a mother was to be set apart to God. While the scriptures related this, of course, to the commandment of the 10th plague, right, during which God spared the firstborn of the Jewish firstborns, the tradition became that every firstborn male then should spend his life serving the Lord in some special way. Eventually, this special duty fell to the tribe of Levi, and they were handed over to keep it. And now parents redeemed their son for five shekels, and we see that starting in Numbers 18. The last thing that we see here is that Luke only says a pair of doves or two young pigeons, revealing that Mary and Joseph were poor, and also revealing to us that God does not require wealth or being well off to be a part of his family. And I love, and this just kind of informational text here that he gives us is little things the little things of keeping the law, of doing the right things. Now, I don't know, but I can assume that going to the temple with a newborn after about 40 days is not easy. Dealing with all the people who you were going to see there was not easy. Dealing with all of that stress of getting there is not easy. It would have been much easier to complain, to say, forget it. This kind of stuff is outdated. It doesn't have any meaning. That was the way of my parents, or that was the way it used to be. But now, who's got time for that? But this young couple shows us, 40 days after giving birth, that they do what God has invited them to do. Because by doing these little things, they are who they are in him 
And we're introduced to a new man, a man called Simeon, righteous and devout, revealed by the Holy Spirit that he wouldn't die till he'd seen the Messiah, and he goes to the temple courts. Again, he's called righteous, similar to the way that in Luke chapter 1, Elizabeth and Zechariah were called righteous, which doesn't mean that they were without sins. It just means that when they did sin, they followed the law, they made the right sacrifices, they did their best to live by the law, trusting in God and his promises. And it says here that Simeon was looking for something, the consolation of Israel that Isaiah had prophesied about. Now Israel's consolation was this key element referring to the hope of deliverance for the nation, specifically through the Messiah. And Simeon belonged to that small group, that remnant that believed God is going to keep his promise to us. He is going to send the Messiah. And if you notice, not only did the Spirit reveal to him that he wouldn't die until he saw the Lord's Messiah, but it also states that he was moved by the Spirit, or in other words, the Spirit itself or himself led him into the temple at this very point of time. And we don't get a lot more about Simeon, but we can understand that Simeon was the type of person who waited for the Lord. Simeon was the type of person who trusted that what the Lord said would happen, would. And it writes easy, and it reads easy. But again, it isn't easy. We don't know how long he waited. What's the longest you've ever had to wait for something? I wrote a joke that said, I'll wait, but I don't think that's funny. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. I make all these jokes, nobody ever laughs. I throw one away and I get a chuckle that maybe could have been heard on the stream. They're saying yes. Oh man, the lights are flashing. People were laughing at home too. It's hard to wait. Not because it's difficult to be patient, I mean it is, but it's hard to wait because of the forces that battle against the waiting. Seeing when others get it faster than we do. The happenstances where you get close but then it doesn't come than the temptation of all those other outside options that there's something close that'll get the job done but it's not the real thing and you could go on and on with all of the forces that battle against waiting. But there is something stronger, friends. There's reasons that we're here, something that is stronger than the forces that battle us. And you know what it is. It's the promise made to you. Really, the who made the promise to you. For the Lord's promise to you is what sustains you, is what gives you hope in the waiting. We all get so overwhelmed by forces and waiting, sometimes we forget what it is or who it is that sustains us, who it is that gives us hope. And the call is to cling to those promises that God has made to you. And if you ask, well, what are those promises? I'd invite you to just rest your heart and search. What is it that God says? Maybe you won't hear a voice, but you know what he has said to you. You've read them in your Bible. You heard Brent read them to you. Child, heir. You hear them, those promises of God, every time you come here to worship. You sing them every time you shout out. Those promises were spoken over to you in your baptism. You hear them each time you wait in line and outstretch your hands. 
And I know that you feel them as well through the tough and the difficult situations that surround each and every one of us. Knowing that those angels surround us, comfort us. Knowing that God brings a friend to drop a text or to call us. To smile at you when you walk in and to hand you a bulletin. That the promises of God are everywhere in your waiting. And sometimes we just have to open our eyes to look. Simeon takes Jesus in his arm and he praises God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, as you have promised, now I can be dismissed in peace. My eyes have seen. We see the universal scope here of God's salvation. How it's personal. One man holding a baby in his arms has seen. We see the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham here, to the people of Israel, that the Messiah will come from them. And we see too that the Gentiles and all people are included, have seen the light that is Jesus Christ. And I think what's really cool here and what's worth pointing out is that it's been, what did we say, 40 days? 40 days since there were angels singing to shepherds about peace. Peace on earth. And here we see one man who has it. And we get to listen to what his heart shouts out in response. Saying, I'm at peace now. There is nothing more that I need. For what you said, Lord, that you would do, you have done. And I didn't just get to see it, but I got to hold it, to feel it close. And he receives what he's been waiting for, and that gratitude just overflows. And I'll go be as bold as saying that I bet that if you look back on this past year, and these expectations, these experiences. And maybe you have to sift through some stuff to get there, but there is always gratitude for what the Lord has promised you and what you have received from Him. And part of being a disciple of Jesus is living in the both and, in the waiting and the receiving, and then the waiting again. But by trusting in Him and His promise, we always have hope and promise for what comes. And above all, we have peace. Child, Mary, Joseph, they're marveling at what was being said here about Jesus. And then it shifts, right, from something so positive and beautiful to the other side of life. Simeon speaks truth here, telling you that it's not always going to be easy and good. Coming of this child would mean a division within the Jewish world, a division within our world, between the believers and the unbelievers. For some, Jesus means falling. And for us, it means rising. Those who fail to believe in Jesus fall. Scripture says he's a stone, a stumbling block of offense to the unbeliever. But to us, he is salvation. Simeon says that this man, this Jesus, will be spoken against. We'll see that throughout the scriptures. 
You see it today as well. Continually spoken against. But in all of this agony, all of this hard times, it's necessary so that hearts are revealed. It has to be hard. It has to be hard so we know where we stand. We know where our Lord stood. He went to the cross. He took it all so that you could have the promise that it is yours too no matter what you endure. He looks right at the mother, the one who would take it personally, and says, your soul will be pierced too. You will watch as people reject your son. You will watch as people hang your son on a cross. There will be division between us and the world. We have to know that. We have to be ready to face that. We don't know what this year will bring. But we do know the promise that we have. And the call for each one of us to be strong and to stand is real and is necessary. We see one more encounter. This time a prophetess, Anna. Don't you just love how Luke always pairs male and female stories together throughout his gospel? It's a gospel for all. Scholars tell us that she's very old. Some people say she's over a hundred. Her father's name is given her tribe too, which may mean is she someone of importance. We look into the tribe of Asher. They're not very significant. They were the last ones blessed by Moses. Some people even call them a lost tribe. But no tribe is really lost. God doesn't lose people. People of the tribe of Asher came back from Babylon just as well. It wasn't just the tribe of Benjamin and Judah. But she's included here to remind us that God promises redemption and inclusion to all widows, old, forgotten, no longer with God will there be shame or disgrace or loneliness, but he himself comes for you, promising redemption, inclusion, a family, peace, hope, and joy. And we don't get any words from her, but we do see what she does, giving thanks and telling others about the child. And then this last verse. In verse 40, I wanted to include, because when I go into Africa, this is the verse that they base their ministry on. So when I got back, I, I looked it up. I was surprised that some translations include, based on the Greek here, that it says, and the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. And I like it better written that way. It's a little thing. But I look and I see parents here today. And it shows us that, yeah, a healthy, strong baby, a genius baby, a baby that has the grace of God is good. But to be strong and to grow in spirit in the Lord, well, this should be a prayer first and foremost for every parent, no matter how old their child is, that they grow strong in the Lord, filled with His Spirit. And that as parents, we ask for grace to guide them in that path of being filled with the Spirit and wise in the ways of Jesus. And I'll close with this today. I was watching Star Wars, 
episode four. And so much happens in the first bit. I don't know if you remember. Have you you've seen this movie? Yes. Okay. But remember when the Imperial gunner, R2-D2, C-3PO, they went into the escape pod, psh, they're blasting off, and the guy's about to blow it up, and the guy's like, hold your fire, no life forms present. Must have been a malfunction. It's kind of a strange coincidence. Then they go their separate ways. Jawas happen to just capture this little robot. Then these Jawas are selling to a farmer with the sun. But they don't pick this Jawa or this robot. Then that other robot that they picked, it explodes. Then they pick R2-D2. And then R2-D2, you know, he goes off. And while Luke Skywalker is gone, his, his uh, aunt and uncle die. All of these little things happen. Some good, some bad. Coincidence? Great script? Maybe. Or was it in real life? Not Star Wars, sir, because I want to get back to the real life here. Is it all just randomness? Is your life just random? Specific times, specific places. Because go back to that Simeon verse. The Spirit moved him to be in the temple on a specific day at a specific time. And you scour the Bible. Peter and John just happen to be fishing the moment Jesus walks by needing a boat. Philip and Acts just happens to be walking when an Ethiopian is reading about the prophet Isaiah. Paul just happens to be going to Damascus on a certain road. It's not an accident where you are. God places you where he wants you. Look at the text. It does not matter the age or the ability. The Lord has given you hope and joy and purpose in his kingdom work. That is not some feel-good, positive stuff thinking to take into the new year. That is truth that God has uniquely placed you and given you unique gifts and abilities to love for you to carry out in His name. And in case you just think it's just about you and your little gifts and all the little things that come, <laughs> the more and more you look, the more and more you will see it is He who is guiding you, just like He did here in the text. Because don't forget about the little things he has done for you. A little bit of water splashed on your head. Promise made to you. About the bringing together of two people. And then from generation to generation to generation blessed as they follow the Lord. How about having standing in a certain spot and someone walks by and a conversation begins. Or how about one man going to the cross for you? And then three days later, one empty tomb. It is little things. Little things that have a big impact. And I pray that as you go into this next year, you will see and you will experience all the ways that God loves you. All the ways that God is placing you right where you need to be. And all the ways he himself loves and works in and through you. Amen.